This is Darian Thomas, and you're listening to the Texas Music Spotlight. Welcome to the Texas Music Spotlight Podcast, supporting artists and musicians from the great state of Texas. And now, here's your host, Julie. Hi, hello, this is Jules the Human here, and welcome to the Texas Music Spotlight Music Now podcast. Today we have a very good episode here with Darian Thomas of Femina X, The Foreign Arm, a ton of other stuff. Saturn Skies is his other project. He's all around there. He's a he's a great musician, violin player. Uh, I've known him for a long time and went to China with him at one point. We talk about that in the podcast. So it's, it's going to be a really good show. Stay tuned. You can support the show by subscribing to us on iTunes podcasts or SoundCloud or any other things that we're on that I'm not too sure of. <laughs> if you found us somewhere else, let me know. But yeah, you can subscribe to us on iTunes podcasts. You already have that app if you have an Apple phone. It's that one uh, purple app that you can't really get rid of. It's called Podcasts. iTunes podcasts, you have it on your phone, might as well just sub- subscribe to us. Um, it's really easy. Texas Music Spotlight are on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash TMS podcast. That really helps us out. And you get to you get to hear the podcast right away. Like sometimes I upload them the night before and I don't announce them till the morning. You can hear them first. You hear them first every time when you're subscribed, you get like a little notification or you can check it out and uh, you'll know when we uh, upload them every Monday and Thursday. You can also find us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, at Texas Music Pod, Texas Music P-O-D. You can find us there or you can find us on our website, www.texasmusicspotlight.com. If you're going to buy anything from Amazon, go ahead and click the banner there on texasmusicspotlight.com. Or if you're going to create a website, you can click the Bluehost banner there and that helps us out. We get some stuff, so it, it would really help us out and we would really appreciate it. Also, email us, texasmusicpodcast at gmail.com. Send us your music. Send us feedback. Send us pretty much anything you want. If you like us, if you don't like us, whatever. Send us your friend's band. Send us your own project or anything. Email us your stuff. We'll get you on the show. You can also tweet us your stuff. Whatever. Talk to us. We want to, you know, we want to do this for you. And we want to spread the love, spread the good music all around here in Texas. So I sat down with Darian Thomas there at Ventura, and we we're having a good time. We were just talking about his his music stuff, kind of his background, how he got into the San Antonio local music scene, and it's a really good talk. It's really good talk with a with a friend. He's he's always super busy. I'm always super busy. We don't really get to talk a whole lot anymore, but it was a really good time just hanging out with him. And I'm sure uh, you know Darian. He he's everywhere. He he's he's a really inviting dude. He's he's very positive in the way he carries himself, and it's just a lot of fun when you have him in an ensemble or if you just see him at a show or something like that so yeah let's not waste any more time let's keep this intro short let's jump into the conversation with darian thomas yeah we're kind of coming from the same place i think we're both in kind of like that that whole classical thing to to start off with and then we kind of moved into this uh, uh local scene how how did you start off playing violin? Was that your first instrument, or or, or what's what's the story behind that? Um, yeah, violin was my first 
instrument, I guess, that I formally trained. I started in sixth grade. It's kind of a funny story, I guess. I uh, so they always send those course cards, right, where you get to choose your electives and whatever. Really? And not not with me. No. Oh, they're just like yeah. here. Just... Well, never mind. Uh, for my <laughs> school, <laughs> they sent a course card so I could figure out like what classes I wanted to take, and I knew for a fact that I didn't want to take PE. So I figured I should probably take some sort of art elective then. Mm -hmm. And at the time I was watching The Red Violin with my mom, because she's really progressive and was okay with me watching that at that age. And uh, I figured, yeah, I could probably, not the more erotic parts, but like the more passionate parts that were very musical, I figured I could probably do that. So I started learning violin. And then I kept with it. Yeah, yeah. Well, you said your mom was progressive. Was, she's a mu was she a musician as well? Or were your parents musicians? Uh, my mom's... Uh, she sang in choir at Incarnate Word, and that was kind of cool because she would take me when I was really little to choir rehearsals with her. Um, so it was funny when I auditioned for going to Incarnate Word, a lot of the teachers were the same, and they remembered me when I was like this tiny <laughs> child thing. Um, and they thought it was so tiny, weird. Tiny child thing. Yeah, that's, okay. that's what I was. Um, and they thought it was weird that I was now a large adult thing and uh -huh. auditioning for the program. Definitely. Um, but my dad, he was a. Uh, I think lots of the musical stuff comes from his side of the family. He played about 13 instruments when he was in high school. He was oh, wow. In, yeah, he was in band. He kind of involved with local music. He um, ended up getting into record production engineering, and both he and my mom had a record label when I was younger. So oftentimes as a kid, I was surrounded by singers, rappers, and stuff like that, and driven around late nights in studios and performances. And I don't know, they were always really accepting of the arts and artists and wanted me to have that kind of lifestyle, but hopefully make more money than they did. <laughs> was it Was it kind of like, did you feel pressured at all? I mean, sometimes that happens. I know, uh, I mean, not a whole lot, but I felt like this kind of pressure from my family as well, where it's like, you kind of want to do music because all my family kind of does music. So so were, did you ever feel that way where they're like, mm, this is what you're kind of, this is what you're kind of going to do. And then, you know. Yeah. Uh, no, actually, my mom was really good at making sure that if I ever showed interest in literally anything, then she found opportunities for me to, I don't know, exercise that interest. So if I was interested in singing, then she got me involved in the children's chorus. When I was interested in ballet as a child, she got me involved in a ballet company, which was cool because I got to dance on the at the Majestic Theater, I guess, with like oh, this wow. Russian ballet company uh -huh. when I was in elementary school. Dang, are uh, there <laughs> pictures or video of that? You gotta check that out. Nope. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, she also noted that I liked law a lot when I was younger mm -hmm. and philosophy, so she would give me a bunch of her philosophy textbooks and all of that. It was kind of just a whatever I wanted to be, I could be, mm -hmm. I guess, because both my parents felt that kind of pressure from their families mm -hmm. of like, you should do this, so this is what you're going to do. Um, and with my mom more specifically, you this is a good example of what you should not be. Um, <laughs> and so she is what she is today, which mm -hmm. is good. But no, when I, if anything, I felt a bit of resistance from, especially after my immediate family, um, going into music, because everyone was concerned, like, you're going to be broke, you're also really intelligent, so you shouldn't do music, you should go into, like, law or medicine You or shouldn't, quote-unquote, waste your intelligence, which is very right. stupid. Yeah, know. and I remember being really livid multiple times <laughs> and having heated discussions with people and telling them, like, this is important and this is a highly intellectual thing that I'm going to be going into, like... Especially playing violin, I mean... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it was classical music, it yeah. wasn't even, like, anything else. So I just made a point to, and this is probably part of the reason I am the way I am, but I just always researched things a lot and made sure that if I was talking to my family, then I gave them elevated, like, academic prose on why mm -hmm. I was doing what I was doing and sort of justifying myself for a long time. 
and I think that was probably good because it just made me more certain that like music is exactly what I want to do because I studied it so much. Mm-hmm. So you're playing through middle school and then getting into high school. How was your your high school career with violin? Is that when you kind of started picking up other instruments, or you just kind of stuck stuck there? No, I stuck with violin for a really long time. I uh, I guess so. Right, I started with violin in middle school, and then. In high school, I think in ninth grade, I had this cool assignment from an English teacher, a multimedia assignment research project. And I decided, since we were playing Tchaikovsky's Serenade for Strings and Orchestra, hey, that piece is cool, so I guess I'll research Tchaikovsky. And um, in the process of listening to his violin concerto, after the first movement, I decided I want to be able to play like that. After the second movement, I decided I want to be able to compose things that are this emotional. And after the third movement, I decided I want to conduct and bring people together in these kinds of experiences. And then I went to my room and practiced for a series of hours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and that's when I really was like, this is the thing I'm going to do. But it wasn't until college, I think, since everyone has to take keyboard. Mm-hmm. And I figured I want to be more than proficient at this instrument. I want to like be able to generate on it and compose on it. Mm-hmm. That's when I started learning it. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll go back to uh, all that stuff. But for me... Oh. I learned keyboard in college as well. Yeah. And how how was that? Because, I mean, I do know how to play keyboard. I'm technically proficient, I right. guess. Yeah. But I just know how to, like, do scales and yeah. stuff. <laughs> I mean, is that kind of your experience with uh, college keyboard? You had to learn your own way. Right. Um, I think it could have been, and I saw that early on, and I kind of just decided against it. I don't remember who it was. I think it was one of the musicians I met when I was studying in New York for that semester in, I think, fall of 2011. Um but they said, really, the thing that everyone forgets is the way to get better at an instrument is to just be on it and constantly messing around mm-hmm. on it. Even if you're not practicing scales or anything like that, if you're just around the instrument for an extended period of time, you're going to get better. Mm-hmm. So I made a point to be in a practice room for multiple, probably like four hours a day, um, just on the piano and either practicing scales, practicing the songs in class. And once I got frustrated with that, I would just figure out, this is a thing I like the sound of, but I can't really play it. So I'm going to practice it until I can play it. Um, and then I, through that process, I've been able to get to the point I'm at now, I guess. Mm-hmm. So going back to, to sort of your high school career, when uh-huh. when did Yosa kind of become a thing that you, you did? And how did you, I don't know if you remember, how, do you, how did you even hear about Yosa at all? Well, yeah, I know that my mom is the one that found Yosa for me. Um, it was that thing where anything I showed even a small interest in, she made sure to... Get me invested in it, mm-hmm. um, and I remember going there. I think she found out about it after the application deadline had passed, and she called them and like probably begged for me to be mm-hmm. able to audition. She's like, "I swear he's gonna be okay." Um, so I went and auditioned in their little—it's the closet that's right behind their printer. Um, and it's, okay, <laughs> so it's their, it's their music library now. Uh-huh. Um, it's just, it's always funny. I don't think you, I've been in there. Yeah, you haven't? Oh, you should totally no. go. Just go and bother them. <laughs> which I do often, which is why I know that it's their music <laughs> library that I auditioned in. Um, it was just, it was, it was cool, because uh, my high school teacher was teaching in Yosa at the time, my middle school teacher was teaching in it, and then when I got to the Philharmonic, um, I don't know, by that point I was committed enough to the instrument that mm-hmm. I was really excited about being able to make music on this higher level. Mm-hmm. Um, the year I got into Philharmonic was also the last year that Mr. Chen was there, the next year, Mr. Peters got there, and then everything started changing a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and uh, I don't know who knows, or I was going to say some people know this, but I don't even think anybody know knows that that we went to China together. We were very yeah. different, very different people then. Yes, we were. <laughs> it was it was a 
it was a fun experience. We went with we went with uh, Yosa, and we went for two weeks mm-hmm. uh, to China, Japan, and all that all that yeah. craziness to play over there, mm-hmm. uh, represent the U.S. The Do you Expo. yeah the, uh, yeah at the World Expo yeah, yeah that was a lot Shanghai of fun. Or Beijing, which one was that? Uh, I don't I'm know. Terrible. That's what I was going to ask you. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to ask you, man. It's been like six years since then, and do you remember a whole lot? I remember bits and pieces. Mm-hmm. I it was just an entire just a blur, but I know it was a great time. I remember some of it. I know. I remember being really excited by their architecture, and then really disappointed at American architecture because <laughs> we just have boxes, but they have all these cool, really tall buildings. And yeah, stuff. interesting shapes. And yeah, like um, I remember that it was extremely polluted and extremely hot. Yes, when I got off the plane, it was just like, wow, oh. the sky's yellow. Yeah, right. <laughs> and the air is twenty pounds, and yeah. everyone smelled terrible for the whole trip. It was because great. it was yes, it was so hot. Yeah. I remember that. Oh, yep. My goodness. Um, but the positive memories are. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. One of the things that really stuck out was playing at the Beijing Opera House. Like, yeah, uh-huh. yeah, seeing it, seeing that structure was just an amazing piece of architecture. Mm-hmm. And then playing there to like a sold out house. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess that was the first time I'd done that, right? Because I don't yeah. think he also had been able to sell out any of the theaters yeah, here in no. town. No, right? yeah, yeah. And uh, what was that when like they would clap during like something really amazing would happen I like think so, yeah. like they uh, like the crowd was very different than than yeah. our quote unquote classical mm-hmm. audiences American. or they were yeah american audiences whatever they if they heard something really amazing it would just like loud uproar of, yeah. of, of applause and we were like i was like oh man okay. what, what's going on <laughs> yeah it was weird to feel really um appreciated for the thing you were doing cuz mm-hmm. i guess here in the states whenever we performed it was a lot of we were very much students and we we're doing the student thing of like just going through the motions of these performances and stuff mm-hmm. but um in china especially in that performance it i don't know it was one of the first times i felt really appreciated as a member of an ensemble giving something to the audience and felt connected to them mm-hmm. yeah yeah definitely it was it was a ton of fun and yeah. i think uh that changed me personally for my music mm-hmm. uh just because well yosa in general changed me because i was just like oh man this is really awesome i never really saw this kind of side when I was just playing in high school, you know? Yeah. It was just like, whatever. But then they have uh, really good musicians playing with me, like you, and, and, and uh, it was a lot of fun. It was really enjoyable. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was pretty cool. And, and Troy Peters is amazing and still yeah. doing amazing things. Yes. So going after that, you went into, into college and, mm-hmm. and things like that. You stayed kind of with, kind of with Yosa. And, and what were you studying in college and... Uh, how, how, how did that go? How did your college experience go? Yeah, um, I stayed in uh, Yosa for a year or two, I think, like a year into my Incarnate Word days. Uh-huh. So I guess that would be like 2012 was the last year that I was in it, which is maybe important to say like a couple of times that I'm no longer in Yosa. I'm a Yosa alum. I'm not in Yosa. I'm too old, everyone. Also, I'm over 21. I'm definitely over 21. I'm about to be 23. So, yes, everyone, I'm allowed in bars and stuff like that. So that's no longer a thing. Um, But college was interesting, uh, especially like the first year or two. So I got into Madison New School for Music, which is in New York. And that was really exciting. I also got into Berklee College of Music over in Boston. But Berklee was way too expensive on the front end, so I couldn't even really consider going, Uh um, which was depressing in its own right. And then Madison was really expensive while I was there because the dorm was in Greenwich Village which was amazing but also way too expensive and (laughs) so I had to leave after a semester but I do think going there and being alone in New York as a musician around a bunch of other like world-class musicians that had done Carnegie Hall multiple times and talked about like oh yeah this festival I did over in Austria and this 
one time I played this amazing hall in France and did this opera in Italy, but talking about it like it was nothing, mm-hmm. and seeing that they were really supportive of me and wanted me to continue studying and continue pursuing music, um, that allowed me a certain level of confidence that I didn't have before, because, I don't know, you don't get surrounded by that too much in San Antonio, especially in classical music. Mm-hmm. So having that validation, I guess, was really useful when I came back. Granted, when I came back, I was depressed for about a semester and like didn't really leave my house at all. Same. Um, but <laughs> but then when I decided to and I got into Incarnate Word, I had that fire where I was like, okay, I don't want location to be this detrimental to me. I want to be able to do the things I want no matter where I'm at. And I think San Antonio is a good place to test out my capability of doing that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I totally feel you on yeah. that. I think we're sort of in the same boat. That's 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 pretty cool. That, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we want to do something because not. I mean, it shouldn't shouldn't matter where we're at. We yeah. we still want to do what we want to do, and and our abilities help us do that. And it's mm-hmm. really awesome. Yeah. Um, so you went through went through all that stuff. Mm-hmm. How how was your your family when you left? Were they supportive of you leaving? Or, or yeah, 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 they were really supportive. They just thought it was weird that they were leaving me to live on my own in New York when I was seventeen because I graduated mm-hmm. kind of early. Oh wow! Um, they're like, this is probably this feels like it should be illegal, but here you go, <laughs> <laughs> here you are. Hi, right, um, bye, see you. Right. <laughs> and then when I came back, they were just really supportive and understanding, and they they noted themselves. They're like, there's a definite difference in your playing um they they saw the difference from when i left and then when i came back and i think for a while they were really just sad that they couldn't afford to have me stay there longer mm-hmm. and they they often would say like your playing is so different i just wonder what would have happened if you stayed all four years mm-hmm. and like your composition is different wonder blah 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 but i kept trying to reassure them that like this is fine this is like a really good learning experience and mm-hmm. i will try not to let it ruin me <laughs> yeah yeah i mean <laughs> you always got to kind of think of uh, <coughs> the positive and, and yeah mm-hmm. you definitely do learn from uh, experiences like that especially going to New York yeah. uh, by yourself and, and that's that's intense mm-hmm. <laughs> that's yeah. intense for, for 17 yeah I don't think I could have done that so good job on that well thanks <laughs> <laughs> uh, so so moving forward how did you get back back into into San Antonio scene with, with Yosa I know you do still do a lot of stuff with Yosa and stuff like that and how did you get into the local music scene yeah, um, I don't know, I guess just, I was always really, I always tried to show my appreciation of Yosa when I was in it, um, and tried to help them out if they needed someone to write something, like during the, I think during the China and England blogs, like during mm-hmm. those trips, I would write blogs for all the parents reading at home and stuff. Oh wow, okay. um, I'm pretty sure I did it for both, I know I did it for the England trip for mm-hmm. sure. Um, and like if they needed the pictures or they needed someone to go and talk at something since through being involved with the NAACP and a couple of other organizations in high school I got relatively decent at public speaking um, if ever they needed someone to do that I would go and happily do it so they tried to always let me know of any opportunities where like alumni could be involved in something and stuff like that and one of those opportunities was the um, OK Computer like mm-hmm. concert that happened yeah. yeah and that was really the, the thing that switched a lot of stuff. It came at an opportune moment. I, I was, what was that, like two years ago? I think so, yeah. And I'm, I was studying music composition, right, at Incarnate Word, music composition major with a minor in philosophy. And for a really long time, well, up until two years ago, I thought, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do this and then go to grad school and then doctorate studies for probably musicology and I'm going to be a professor, more than likely of musicology, maybe aesthetics. Um, 
But then I realized, after researching a bunch of artists that I really appreciated, and especially Andy Warhol, that these people were really influential and were basically teachers, but they weren't teaching. They were just being active artists. Mm -hmm. And I figured, even though being a professor is a really admirable thing, I think I would better serve what I feel my duty is by becoming a musician, like an artist, just full-time artist doing that. In the full, the full sense of the word artist, because I know you do a lot more than just music and stuff. Yeah, and yeah. I'm practicing, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was kind of a scary moment because at the exact moment that I thought that this drawer of concerns that I had shoved away, because I was like, I'll just be a teacher, they all came out and mm -hmm. I was suddenly like, do I actually have anything to say as a composer slash am I good enough as a musician or artist to like do this? Am I relevant? Do I just lots of these weird, I guess, meta questions that you kind of have to ask yourself as an artist they came rushing at me all at once. Um, and I was also really frustrated with classical music because there's a, a certain culture associated with it. Um, mm -hmm. and a certain, that me and you, me and you probably know a little bit better than uh, most people. Right. Yeah. And oftentimes it's hard to maneuver within it. Um, just because there's this reverence for the past, this really, really heavy reverence for the past, mm -hmm. which is rightful. I mean, it's right that it's there because people have done amazing things in the past. Um, it's just when that starts to eclipse what's possible in present day and for the future that things get really concerning. Mm -hmm. And I guess, like, through high school, I found Philip Glass when I was, I think, a sophomore, and that kind of ruined me from the rest of my high school years because, <laughs> like, I was super into minimalism and contemporary art, mm -hmm. and so many people would tell me constantly, your taste in music sucks. This is terrible music. I can't mm -hmm. believe you listen to this. And I would... I was trying really hard to be like, no, this is great, I swear, this is mm -hmm. beautiful. But no one could hear that it was beautiful because they were listening to Brahms or Tchaikovsky or mm -hmm. anyone else from the Romantic era. And that like that doesn't necessarily change just because someone goes to school, which is kind of scary to me. Um, people are still really resistant to certain ideas. I think it's John Cage, right, that has that quote, I don't know why people are scared of new ideas, I'm scared of the old ones. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and I, I don't know, when I read that, I grabbed onto it yeah, really yeah. hard, because I was like, this is, this is the thing, like, I love classical music, and I love interacting with these musicians, but there's a resistance there that I can't reconcile in my head. Mm -hmm. um, so when the OK Computer concert happened, um, that was exciting, because it was like, here's a way the classical music is operating in this newer music, it's behaving in a contemporary sense, it's being served to a contemporary audience, and we're interacting with musicians who aren't classical musicians, which I think is really important, because mm -hmm. it's all, at the end of the day, it's all music, right? So and, and music listeners that aren't classical music listeners. Yeah, and now we get to have them involved in classical music and appreciate the stuff that we do, because I remember reading an article like soon after the concert of someone being really impressed with the fact that we can handle... 5-8 and 7-8 in a song and I was like that's really funny because like <laughs> this comes from classical music yeah, like yeah, this is this is our thing I've handled 13s and 11s so yeah, yeah. but people wouldn't know that they would just think like the most complex you can get is these obscure bands and stuff like that which is totally fine because like a lot of the bands are doing really complicated stuff and they're bands that I love but it can happen over in classical music too classical music can be just as uh, thrilling and invigorating as this other music because it's all still music so I think being able to collide the two worlds like that was really important. Mm -hmm. So OK Computer happened. I'm pretty sure, I think it was like a sold-out show. I was there. Uh, yeah. It was great. It was phenomenal. Yeah. Um, I wasn't in any bands as well. Uh, I, was just, I was just went to go look yeah. and check out what everything was going on. Mm -hmm. um, what happened after that? I mean, I know you, you sort of wrote the music for that, <coughs> and then you, 
you got to uh, meet, I don't know if you met, uh, or if you know them prior, you got to talk with uh, bigger local bands uh, like Femina X and, and things like that. So how did, how did you move on from there and where did it go? Yeah, um, well for the show I was just a violinist in the orchestra, right? And that was pretty much the extent of my involvement in it. Like I didn't handle any of the orchestration or anything like that, nor do I think will I ever, because that's pretty much a Peter's thing. Like he's really into okay. orchestrating the whole album and stuff like that, which is good. Um, and... <laughs> makes total sense. I mean, he's the one that went to Curtis, so, like, he, yeah, he can do that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, but I was really excited to be involved as a violinist, and I don't know, it really happens, like, during one of our breaks. It was the day before the show. It was during a break. We were in the Tobin Center rehearsing there, and um, I went down into the audience uh, where, like, some of the bands were sitting. I think Lonely Horse was there, and uh, Fiona X people were there. So I saw Jeff, and I, <laughs> we started talking about if this were to happen again, which album should be orchestrated? Which is a common question, mm -hmm. like, any time these concerts happen. And uh, I mentioned Bjork, and he got really excited, and then we nerded out over that. Um, Jeff Palacios from... Uh, Sugar Skulls. Yeah, Femina Sugar Skulls, Feminine X. Foreign Arm, Levies, Episode 3, yeah. uh, <laughs> The Music Now podcast you can check out. Yes, that Jeff Palacios. Right. Um, so we just, I don't know, I think we noted that both loved music and were really excited by each other as musicians. So he told me I should go and hang out and maybe play some stuff with some of the groups. So I did, and we hung out until like four in the morning, which is really funny, um, but just listening to different albums, and I showed him some of my compositions, he showed me the projects he was working on, and then I started improvising to some of the songs that he was playing. And he would send Snapchats of them over to, like, Daniela or Alex and be like, look at what he's doing to our song. Um, <laughs> like in a good way, though. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, and that's kind of how I got involved with Femina X. So let me see if I can remember the order of all of it. Because there's theoretically six, right? So Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so first was Arte Pasión, and that happened more early years of college. That's a flamenco collective mm -hmm. with Artist Foundation like San Antonio Artist Foundation grant recipient uh, Tamara Adira and she's actually she's very good she's yeah she's, she's real cool um, and really into being contemporary and like taking this folk art of flamenco and making it I don't know one of my favorite things is she has a choreographed she choreographed a Tori Amos song mm -hmm. um, and has me improvise along with her and then at the end it's a free improvisation between me and another contemporary dancer that she works with and I think that kind of sums it up, because she's using this really classical form, but then she has a contemporary dancer take over towards the end, and it's just free improv from both of us. And mm -hmm. The fact she can create spaces like that, I really value. Mm -hmm. So I've been with her it's right collective. right up your alley, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Now it is. <laughs> uh -huh. So I've been with her collective for a long time. Then Femina X happened. Um, no, first was actually Sugar Skulls, because he was showing me that stuff, and he was like, oh, you should totally, like orchestrate the stuff. <laughs> I was like, ah, okay, I'll try. Um, and I tried, and wrote some parts for it. Then the Femina X stuff happened basically simultaneously, but theoretically it's like the third song that he showed me was Femina X. And then someone told Mikey, I guess, from Dear Vibes that I could orchestrate, and so I got involved on that project of orchestrating the album release, which happened at... With Yosa again. With Yosa again, yeah. yeah. Um, and that was at the Empire Theater, I think? I don't mm -hmm. necessarily remember when that was, because... Yeah, yeah, it was... Uh, we just talked about it on... A past episode with Mikey. Dang. Uh, we <laughs> don't don't feel bad. No. Uh, yeah, we talked about it. I think it came out December of, of the Nature of came out, and they did a whole 
uh, whole thing, the yeah. whole thing that you were a part of, and that was yeah. pretty good. Yeah, so that was really exciting, and that was nice, because I felt like my college training isn't just some weird abstraction. Like, I'm able to actually bring this into the real world and use it in this context, um, this other context that it normally wouldn't be used in. Um, then after that was the foreign arm, which is great. I love being involved in that. Mm -hmm. Soul music, and I don't really get that. Again with else. Jeff, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I figured I've practiced enough, so I should start my own thing, and that's when I started Saturn Skies, more recently. Um, and the other member of Saturn Skies, he's my best friend from college, and he was also studying music production and engineering, and we took an electronic composition class together. So a lot of it is focused on electronics like even though we both can play instruments we are kind of intentionally focusing mm -hmm. on making it very electronic because mm -hmm. we want that to be the instrument we're using because mm -hmm. we think it should be respected as an instrument as well yeah yeah definitely i mean uh it's made huge leaps and bounds as of recently uh in the past couple of years electronic mm -hmm. uh somebody with a computer or keyboard and and having these different kind of sounds it it it's definitely become more respected as uh, a standalone instrument, and, yeah. and that's pretty interesting. Yeah, and I mean, I definitely, I kind of think it's the ultimate test of composition, because if you're composing for an orchestra, and I guess this is something that I can say since I've studied it, but like, if you're composing for an orchestra, to a lot of people, it's like limitless possibilities, and that's kind of true, but at the same time, you are still limited by the instruments you're dealing with. You only have these instruments, mm -hmm. and that's where it stops. Even if you're using the most obscure instruments, still, you only have those instruments and that's where it stops. And you have to take into consideration how they're performed. And to some people, these limitations aren't limitations. They, uh, they're opportunities for creation and discovery. And I view it the same way. But at the same time, it's not the same when you're going to synthesis and, like, honestly, anything, everything is possible. <laughs> like, there are no limitations. It's like any sound that you can fathom and then those that you can't, you can use. Mm -hmm. So you have this color palette of like every color in existence and those that haven't been discovered yet it's like what do you what do you do with these like you need to establish your pads are going to operate like strings or like woodwinds and if you're going to arpeggiate things do you want it to sound like a keyboard arpeggiating like a clarinet doing a run or like a violin fiddling like you have to make all these decisions for the same instrument oftentimes and it's such an intense thing but that's why i love it because that's that's ultimate creation i think it's fun. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, that that sounds like a lot of fun when uh, just creating. For you, I mean, I, I'm sure your your mind is intense with with just uh, <laughs> with just ideas and and things like that. So who who does? I mean, I've seen you play a couple times. I know you write some of the songs, but who does the the main uh, writing usually uh, uh, for Saturn Skies? Both of us. Mm -hmm. um, what we'll try to do is kind of trade off process. So like. Maybe I'll come to him with a song that is... Because a lot of the songs that we have started off with me at piano and voice, thinking about them as like classical song cycles and treating rhetoric that way kind of classically. And then we'll just completely turn it into an electronic thing. So that will be a process of him and I discussing sounds and like what the character of the thing should be, how the percussion should work and all of that. And sometimes he'll have a song and I'll contribute instrumentation to it and stuff like that. Or... He'll contribute lyrics to something I did. I'll give him lyrics. It's a lot of we try to keep it really balanced. Um, I think because we want it to be a thing that belongs to both of us, not mm -hmm. just like one person solo project. Mm -hmm. So, I'm not asking like for you to rank <laughs> all your projects. That's that's not what I mean. They're all uh -huh. great for some reasons, but but what what do you get out of uh, certain projects, and what why do you keep doing uh, certain projects that you do? I mean the yeah. the fun aspect and and things like that yeah that's a no that's a good question um and it's one that i've 
had to think about a lot, especially at the moments where I'm basically dying and everyone's telling me, you're doing way too much stuff. Yeah, definitely. No, uh -huh. shut up. Well, here's why I'm not doing too much stuff. It's because each of them are rather different from each other, and I get to exercise a different part of my musicality with them. So with Arte de Pasión, not only do I get to do that free improvised stuff with Tori Amos, but I also perform like one of the Brandenburg concertos for her to dance to. And oh, okay. I perform pieces by Corelli and stuff. So that keeps up my solo classical playing like yeah. intensely. Um, and whenever I play, people are paying attention to me. That's like the thing. So I have to be pristine and know my technique, right? Closely related is the work with Dear Vibes because it's basically classical. Like I'm playing from sheet music and stuff. I'm in a quasi-orchestral setting. So I have to keep up. That one's more interesting because I have to mitigate, like, how exactly do I behave classically, but how do I perform in a contemporary sense, and how do I allow my sound to project over literally every amplified instrument ever, <laughs> um, despite sometimes not having a mic. And then, after that, you have the foreign arm, which is soul music. So, for that one, I try not to use a lot of effects. Um, it's usually just my violin kind of dry, but I am using my electric for that one. Yeah, because... Uh you usually do use your electric uh, violin for things, uh, yeah. you know. Uh, for the other four. Yeah, 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 yeah. electric violin. So, yeah. Um, and that one's interesting because it's like, how can I make violin fit into soul music? Um, and then also, can I play and sing at the same time? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, because lots of the times I'm doing background harmonies, I'm also playing. So that's a good mental exercise. Mm -hmm. After that would probably be, what are we at, three? So which one's for? After that would be Sugar Skulls, and that's fun because it's a lot of playing in these different, I guess, like postmodern jukebox, jukebox type sound, with effects, with delay, and with distortion, um, but kind of lightly, trying to stay in the background, not take too much attention, and just moving harmony along. Yeah. And since I was involved in orchestrating that, I have kind of an intimate theoretical knowledge of all the songs, so I get to exercise my theory and be like, this note will work here, or it will not, and. <laughs> you know navigating the songs like that yeah yeah we had i played in sugar skills as well with darian and yeah. his, his music writing is is very interesting it's a, it's a <laughs> lot of fun to play not not interesting right. in a bad way no <laughs> sometimes people say interesting for for lack of a, a bad word. yeah right. like a positive word but but no it, it is very interesting and, and mm -hmm. we do have uh, some good times like we played at the uh what's the one for halloween we did uh uh was fest yeah, Muertos Fest, mm -hmm. uh, that was a lot of fun to play, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, be on stage with you, and that was, a lot. Yeah. That was pretty cool. Uh, I thought most, most of us in face paint, and then you had your... Uh... Well, I got there late <laughs> because I was uh, playing with the Mata in another gallery in the same space. I had two gigs within like three hours of each other. Wait, what were you wearing? I don't know what I was wearing. What was you were wearing like a... a... Oh, my, uh, my, yeah. uh, my traje jacket, my mariachi jacket. Yeah, cause, because it's awesome, and yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so that's yeah. that's how Sugar Skulls works. And then there's Femina X, and with that one, that one's really exciting because I get to do complete exploration of like violin, extended violin techniques, lots of delay work, um, a lot of distortion work, and a lot of timbre searching, I guess, mm -hmm. um, which I don't feel is totally... It's not so much that it's not permitted, it's that it's not necessary in any of the other contexts. Um, but in that one, everyone's so into sound and finding unique sounding things. Mm -hmm that I get to explore a lot, and that's a lot of fun. And I also get to do really, admittedly, really complicated things, um, and lots of interesting polyrhythms, because they're accepting of it, which is nice. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, how, how much of the, the music writing is you... Uh, like, I know they already had their, their whole uh, bit long, mm -hmm. long catalog of, of, yeah. of music before you got there. How much of your part is you, or, or is it all you, 
or how much do you all collaborate together to, to add this violin, which is pretty different than a, a standard band, quote-unquote. Yeah. How do you add that in there with everybody else? Yeah, well, at the beginning, because I didn't know what I was doing, um, I told them, just tell me what you want me to play, and I'm probably sure that I'm good enough to where I can do it. Mm-hmm. So we handled it that way. And then as I got more comfortable improvising and breaking away from sheet music, then I started just contributing ideas on my own and thinking, like, I can put this here, this is going to accent this part this way. And also just understanding how they put lines together helped me figure out my part should fill in this gap that's here. Um, so now a lot of it is just whatever I'm playing, I created. Um, mm-hmm. And we kind of vibe off of each other that way. Mm-hmm. But I try to, I guess, leave lots of songwriting to the other members because they've been there longer mm-hmm. and I think they have more of a clear idea of like the direction they want the music to go and I'm trying to be really respectful of that mm-hmm. um, so that's Femina X yeah, yeah. and then Saturn Skies is like a compositional playground for me because a lot of the songs like I get to just start with them at piano and stuff and treat them classically and if I want to overlap 5-8, 6-8 and 4-4 four, four, then I can and, <laughs> and it's fine because we both went to school and we're like yeah sure whatever um but also if we want to make a joke or like accidentally sample something incorrectly or put a metronome in one of the songs because we both like the way metronome sounds yeah. and everyone else thinks it's a mistake, but we're like, no, we, we like the way that sounds, then we get to do it, and it's great. It's just, I don't know, that one's just a lot of fun, and mm-hmm. I get to use my voice a lot in that, and mm-hmm. that's helped me understand myself as singer, I guess. Awesome, there you go, went down the list yeah. <laughs> of uh, Darren's musical projects, and he, we can go on about his other projects, I know you're getting into photography and stuff like that, yeah. uh, so we could talk about all that stuff if, if, you, if you want, uh, how, how, or not how, so not so much how, but like why, you just want, you just mm. want to keep going, want to just, well, what so do you have, what do you have more to, to express, man, <laughs> what do you got in you? Um, okay, so I just graduated from college last year, right? That was exciting or whatever, but now, <laughs> now I'm in a self-assigned, self-inflicted two-year gap period before going to grad school. And what I want to do in grad school is um, study interdisciplinary arts, which is the it's just getting your hand in a bunch of different art forms and seeing how they interact with each other and how they can be synthesized into new things. I think what sparked my interest in this was that during starting in late high school and all through college. I played a lot of musical theater, so a lot of shows at San Pedro Playhouse and Woodlawn Theater. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I was a pit musician for like a really long time and got to do really cool shows. And Into the Woods was one of my favorite things mm-hmm. with Woodlawn Theater, um, as well as Ragtime, at, which was with the San Pedro Playhouse, but it was when their theater, when their ceiling died. Oh, so wow. we had to have it over at the Empire Theater. and. That was an amazing experience, mm-hmm. kind of spiritual. And I don't know, I, being exposed to musical theater, it is an interdisciplinary art form. Like, you have the visual art compelli- component of the set and the costumes. You have the written component of the score, and then you have the musical element of like composing the score and um, performing the music, having live musicians and singers there. And then dance as well, if you have choreography. And I just thought that was so... Uh, I guess perfect mm-hmm. that I really wanted to be involved in that and then later in college I got into opera and that was a mess because I <laughs> like fell in love with it and was like this is what I want to do with my life oh, even God. though it costs like way too much money and it's mm-hmm. super expensive and also really hard but I figured I want to there's like only one thing I like about Wagner <laughs> like only one and that's wow. that he wanted to do everything himself and he did whether people still respect that or not, like, lots of people don't respect his staging because they're like, this is stupid. Uh-huh. Um, 
but he wrote out like specific gesticular instructions and said you should move this way during this scene in this opera that I wrote which is part of a three opera evening yeah. cycle yeah. <laughs> and, like, I think that's really cool and I would love to be able to do that but be able to do it with um, some level of certification I guess to where people were like no he actually studied dance and like understands yeah. dance history and understands what certain shapes of the body mean yeah somebody you, know? you, you want to be taken i guess seriously yeah for for the maybe questionable things you might want somebody to yeah, do exactly um so i need to so the goal <laughs> <laughs> and this is me saying this in public so that i can't back out of it uh, <laughs> is that like over the next two years for this next year i need to study a lot of different art forms that's a lie. Not a lot. Just two. The visual art form and theater. I'm going to start practicing playwriting, and I'm already practicing photography and a bit of video as well, and also performance art. Um, I need to study both of those and do a lot of work within them and just see how they behave and how people respond to them. Um, and then once I've done that for this year, next year I'm going to work on an opera, and I need to get it performed. And I want that to be like my main portfolio thing for my applications to these grad schools that I'm going to. Yeah, I mean, they'll be like... He did it. Hey, yeah, he did, <laughs> he, he did a thing. Holy well, cause shit. Because like, I, I guess part of this is coming from a bitterness also that's still lingering from the college experience where I don't ever want to be in that position again where I can get into a school, but because I didn't get the scholarship, mm-hmm. I can't go. And, yeah, I, I'm kind of done with that. So, like, I need it to be irrefutable so need, that I get in, and then I need them also to be like, and we need to pay for him to come. Yeah, like, you need to be over the top to make yeah. your point. Uh, yeah, hard. and I'm willing to do the work necessary to make that happen. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, you, you you do work really hard, and, and yeah. it's really awesome that uh, to see that, to, to, to see you going everywhere, doing all these different things, and, and even... Sometimes, I mean, I, I'm doing a whole lot of things, too, and sometimes mm-hmm. alongside you with yeah. uh, different bands and things like that. But I kind of, uh, I'll say it, yeah, that I kind of look to you, I guess, as, as a, as a no. person of reference. <laughs> like, uh-huh. like uh, look at Darian, look at this guy doing all this shit. What am I doing, <laughs> right? man? Like, what, what, he's, in, he's in six bands? Give me in another band. Let me, yeah. let me get going. Let's, let's do this. I want to do more. Because, uh, yeah, you're definitely hardworking and you're, you're definitely, I think you're succeeding. And whether you think you, you are or whatever, you, you do have uh, success close by. So that's really Thanks. awesome. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So uh, is there anything else you want to you talk about? I mean, we're, I think you know, um, we, we went through quite a bit. Maybe not this time. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm down to have you on sometime in the future when when you get There's, when you get that opera going <laughs> right yeah that'll be a thing there will be more i'm per, i'm planning a another performance art piece mm-hmm. i think in november and it's probably going to be really potent based on like everything that's been happening in the country recently okay um, yeah especially with like police brutality and stuff like that so i don't know i'll be doing other things and hopefully people will keep watching and i don't bore anyone uh-huh. <laughs> No, no, definitely. You you definitely have enough to where if someone doesn't like something, they can catch you at something, something else. else. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Really you spread cool. yourself <laughs> out pretty pretty far. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that was, that was good. Thanks for being on the podcast. Hooray. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, where, where can they... They can find you on all the, I guess, social media, just by yeah. you, uh, the... the all the bands that we mentioned before, Feminine X, Trigger Skulls, mm-hmm. uh, Saturn Sky is probably yeah. more often because he's uh, one of two members, but right. you can catch him uh, Facebook and all that stuff, check out his art and, and his photography and all that cool stuff.
So that was Darian Thomas. That was my chat with him. That was a lot of fun. Uh, we were there hanging out for a while, and and I got to know him a little bit better. And I said some stuff. He said some stuff. It was really good. Uh, check out his opera coming soon. It should be really good. All his band stuff is really good. So go check him out on the internet. Go follow him. Tell him how he how good he is, and you love him. Tell him I love him as well. So this is the part of the podcast where I tell you what's going on this weekend using the Do Stuff Do Two One O app. You can download the app on iTunes, the Apple Store, and and I think for the Google, uh, all the other stuff. <laughs> I feel bad because I I only know uh, Apple products. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You can download it in the in the little marketplace stuff. Do Stuff Do Two One O. You can check it out. And uh, see what's going on in San Antonio this weekend. Get up and get out. Get to local music or comedy or whatever your thing is. But I'm going to tell you about some some cool music stuff that's going on this weekend that I think you should go to. My number three pick of places that you need to be in San Antonio this weekend. Uh, I'm going to do something a little different because it is first Friday, August 5th, the first Friday of the month. A lot of things are going down. I mean, just get up, get out and get somewhere. There's a family friendly first Fridays at M hemisphere park. There's Dolly's mustache. I know, uh, goes on every, uh, first Friday at imagine books and records. There's a, there's an eighties theme first Friday pub run starting at Pat O'Brien's at seven, just a ton of stuff to do. It's first Friday yoga at the Freetail Tap Room on Friday. Pokemon Go Wild at the San Antonio Zoo. A ton of stuff going on this Friday. Just go out and check it out. My number two pick of where you need to be this weekend. Sam's Burger Joint presents Mingo Fish Trap. Sam's Burger Joint August 5th at 9pm. Man, these guys are great. Since their inception here in Texas in a tiny dorm room in Denton, Texas. That's where I went to to college, UNT. Um, the Austin band has has been has done so much. Four albums deep. They're just a great sound. It's 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 really a pleasure to hear them whenever they're in town or whenever you get the chance. Uh, definitely check them out. Friday, August 5th, 9 p.m. at Sam's Burger Joint. And the number one show that I think you need to go to is on August 6th at Imagine Books and Records, Saturday at 8 p.m., Octahedron, Amiya, Akashiglo, Stan Z. Stan Z is a hip-hop alternative collective all the way from El Paso, Texas, and they're coming to San Antonio on their first Texas tour. Now, all the other bands we've had on our podcast already, you can check Amiya, Akashiglo, and Elena Lopez of Octahedron on previous podcast so go ahead and check our catalog either on soundcloud or on itunes podcast and you can check them out talking about their band they'll be playing they do play a few songs in the actual podcast so you can check them out before you go see them on saturday at imagine books and records starting at eight it's gonna be great i mean i mean i'm sure stanzi is amazing all the other acts are gonna be great and it's gonna be a lot of fun good way to end your saturday night as always, thank you to the listeners. Thank you to everybody that supports us here at Texas Music Spotlight. We really appreciate it. And you can check out a new episode every Monday and Thursday. 
We do our live music podcasts on Wednesday. Go ahead and submit a review on iTunes or Facebook if you like us. If you don't like us, if you want to tell us something, uh, go ahead and do that. Like like all the other things. Go check out Darian. Go see his cool stuff. Go out and support local music. Support local artists. Anything here in San Antonio. We're doing a whole lot of cool things. So you should be a part of it. And that's it. That's the end of the podcast. Thanks and have a good night. For listening to the Texas Music Spotlight podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and visit our website, texasmusicspotlight.com, to find out how you can be a part of the live recordings. Until next time, please continue to support local artists and music in your hometown. Yeah.